Welcome to AMD Tech Talk, your source for the latest in data center innovation and insight on AMD's latest technology breakthroughs. Now here's your host, Dylan Larson. Hello everyone, welcome to AMD Tech Talk. I'm Dylan Larson. I'm joined today by Lynn Comp, who's gonna to talk to us today about what it takes to drive more industry innovation in the data center. Lynn has been a long time advocate and thought leader in the data center and I'm, I'm very happy to be joined by her today. Lynn, what can you tell us about where you're looking at in the data center? You know, I think one of the biggest things that is so fascinating, because you and I have watched this industry for a number of years, and it seems to go in spits and, and spurts. And um, one of the things that I think has been really fascinating is just watching people that had been dealing with AI, but talking about AI, weren't really sure how AI was going to play, are suddenly realizing, oh, wait, there's an application for this that is something that's relatable, that helps our employees with workflows. And, oh, crap, we have, what, two years of COVID, sometimes three, depending on where you're, uh, where you're living. And that essentially held off the majority of the capital refresh and upgrade cycles where you would have more modern capabilities. And so really I think IT is facing a, I need to update and yet I have these new workloads that are high demand and where should I really focus? Um, and how do I get there? Because there's only so much room and only so much power unless you have time to build a new building. Yeah, it's kind of the hottest, take the hottest thing happening in, in IT right now is AI and, and machine learning and these things that are gonna bring totally new kind of use cases, modalities to the way users interact. And I think that's kind of moving beyond just um, making the best search machine to kind of redefining people's productivity with the things, with how they interact with AI. And then I think you're right, the challenge is, okay, so if, if that's the next big thing, how do I tackle it? And, and what do I do to get my data center resources and assets I've already deployed ready for it? And can I get ready for it? Is, is there enough capability in, the, in our existing infrastructure or do I need to do some kind of revamp to get, to get there? Yeah, it's funny, it's when we started looking at just tracking how much AI compute demand has changed or how much memory is in demand because you're talking about a lot of algorithmic analysis on really big amounts of data. Um, and so you're talking AI compute is like going up and doubling every three to four months in terms of the expectation. And then you've got the memory demands that are going up by as much as 20 times. And, and so that's a lot of new capability to try and cram in when you haven't really even carved out and clawed back the efficiencies that are possible with two years of holding off on updates and upgrades and just really trying to deal with the burstiness of remote work and the security capabilities and what was necessary to keep people uh, productive when they weren't necessarily able to go into the office. Absolutely, and it kind of drove this whole cycle of innovation around um 
you know, what do they do to, to support remote users, to support the infrastructure that, that they have in place with this whole new model of um, now people work remotely, people um, have a new set of the way they in, engage their content and their data. And all of a sudden now they got to figure out how they kind of take that next step. And we've seen, you know, a lot of focus on bringing more efficiency into the, uh, into the game. And, and do you see the efficiency expectations of the customers are, are, are increasing? And as a result, is there some more work that we should be doing there? I do think that a lot of companies are looking at the TDPs and the performance that is necessary to deliver on some of the workloads as well as just the growth of the business and thinking, uh, yeah. doesn't this tap out at some point? And can we really keep going? In fact, I was on a press interview last night and that question came up. And, you know, I think the reality is that there's going to be more judicious use of hardware. There's going to be more combinations. The chiplet architecture that AMD has gives a lot more architectural freedom, whether you're combining old process and new process in package, or you're combining heterogeneous functions in package, you get a little bit tighter if you have a very, very commonly executed workload. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is an instruction set is not equate to great power management or the best microarchitecture for efficiency in a category of computing. You know, it's all these risk architectures that are back um, and getting the benefit of having backgrounds in mobility. Um, I think, you know, when you have 128 cores that can do server workloads, you're going to end up having a certain baseline or you might as well just use a uh, client or a PC and then just wait, right? <laughs> I, I know we, we were talking about this not long ago, which was this this idea that all of a sudden people are looking at a new architecture into the data center and all of a sudden that's going to be a new uh, panacea for more efficiency or panacea for new capabilities. And I think what, what is probably most important is to look at um, how much power you can optimize and how much performance you can put in play while maintaining um, a level of consistency with the work that you're used to exploiting your infrastructure to. And it feels like... The, the 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 search for a risk panacea is one of those things that's overstated for sure. But I think there's also this ability of saying, look, how much performance can I pack into these smaller units of compute and get them done in a way that kind of ac accelerates the overall potential of, of the infrastructure I'm trying to provide. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because looking at that tech debt we talked about earlier, where you've got a number of yeah. upgrades that haven't been done, um, if you have something like Intel Skylake or Intel Ice Lake, which, you know, we're talking three to five year old deployment waves, you're taking a lot more space and energy than if you were to transition to something newer. So, you know, we've done some um, analysis and you can get up to 73% fewer servers and as much as 65% less power doing the same work. And so you start realizing that tech debt is costing more than just not having the right performance or maybe some of the software licenses are changing over. It's really more, this is really costing you the space to do these new workloads. It's also costing you 
a ton of power and it's costing you a ton of opportunity where you can just be super efficient. And do you really have the time to build new data centers? Do you really have the time to wait for a colo to put in place new capacity? Do you have the budget to pay for the capacity because it's also on supply and demand pricing? So there's a lot of questions around that, but I think I've read a great uh, quote that basically said, look, the reclamation is one of the key parts of sustainability. It's a reclaiming space and power in the data centers you already have, very much like driving the car that you already have more efficiently or less is going to give you that time as well as the efficiency deliverables that you really want. Absolutely. And I think there's so much operational consideration that's already been kind of put from a thinking perspective. You virtualize things, your, your, your applications and your services are, are virtual and can be moved mm -hmm. around. So, you know, much of the infrastructure is, is sort of ready for this migration path. You just need to open up new space within your racks so that you can actually migrate those mm -hmm. to, to keep your operation uh, context moving. But it feels like um, you, you got to start to take that yeah. step if you're going to get to this ability to bring new workloads online and put more of your capability to work in ways that are much more efficient. You have to take that yeah. first step. It's funny, too, because don't you think that people think, oh, my gosh, that's so risky moving to these new, uh, these new boxes, these new servers, it's less risky. What they're not counting in there is the number of security updates that have come through in the software. Absolutely. So, you know, when you start factoring in data governance, data in motion at use and rest, um, then you factor that into what they're looking at. You know, you almost wonder, are you sure that you shouldn't just upgrade everything? Because two generations, three generations of efficiency security updates, um, you know, and then performance. You don't need as much space to get the performance. And that's the beauty of the process technologies that, you know, there's a lot of debate about Moore's Law. Um, chiplets might have saved Moore's Law now. But whatever it is, things that are newer are going to be that much more efficient. You're going to get more work done and you're not going to need as much power or space to do it. Absolutely. And I think the numbers we've seen coming out of, you know, the most introduction with Genoa, the work we did with with what you could get out of Bergamo, th these designs that pack more cores, more performance, and operating in a much more efficient um, level is 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 amazing. And I think to your point is all of those infrastructures are also building on kind of a, a new model for security around right. you know, secure encrypted virtualization or computational computing. These things that kind of bring a whole new approach. So not only are you getting this much more efficient infrastructure choices, you're also getting this ability to say, hey, I will redefine the security model at the same time. And if you're going to make a decision about how you redefine your architecture for the next five years, you're going to get to a position of much more efficient and secure yeah. uh, choices. And the thing that's beautiful about it is you don't have to actually rewrite your code. Because there is a really large amount of legacy code out in the wild. And with AMD being x86, I've had customers tell me I didn't have to do anything. It just worked. Um, but, you know, there's, there's that plus the fact that you get the security capabilities, the infinity guard features, and you also don't have to change your code. It's also another place where you don't have to recompile, refactor, retarget, 
have a completely different application to take advantage of a more software level architecture. Um, so there's really, I haven't come up with a reason to not update and that's not because we happen to be delivering the hardware solutions that get you all these efficiencies. It really is making a huge difference on the planet. You know, we've, we've estimated well over a thousand metric tons of carbon savings by moving from old hardware to the newer AMD hardware. And so it's good for the planet. It's security updated that you don't have to do any refactoring your software with. It's 70% plus or minus fewer servers, 60% less energy expended. It's just goodness after goodness. And it frees up that space to put in more innovative capabilities because even with the AI accelerators, you know, you know what you find in terms of the space and everything that's required there, it, it's its own standalone thing. And, and uh, you know, how excited do you think enterprises are of sending their data to get the work done off-prem? Totally. I think that's a, that's a huge one. I think that the, 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 there's clear demand for bringing the localized machine learning or localized AI into the, into the data center. But like you said, you must have a place to put this hot processing unit that's going to run very important throughput for the kind of workloads you need to do. But it's also, it's, it's not free. You got to drive a way to deliver an infrastructure yeah. that can support that kind of, um, that yeah. kind of growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's almost like expecting your, uh, your, um, you know, technology, your battery technology from five years ago to be able to keep up <laughs> with what the demands are for a modern Tesla, which has so many processors in it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely having a balanced infrastructure. Well, you are more challenged to buy GPUs. Why not get your data center ready? Um, to be able to leverage the architectures that are running the AI, AI capabilities. And as you said, there's so much benefit um, with a, a, a very simple transition, frankly, which is the ability to say, we're going to open the door for a new computational method with, with AI and machine learning. But at the same time, we're giving, you know, setting up the industry to take advantage of more efficient infrastructure, save on space. Um, uh, secure infrastructure and all those pieces together to kind of simplify and pave the way for this new innovation. So you're not having to invest in a totally new sort of baseline operational context while you add mm -hmm. this kind of dramatic new computational capability, which I think is a very powerful way to kind of show that paving the way relatively simply um, by just making a much more efficient choices on the infrastructure you deliver. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a win all around. And, you know, it's a great way to plan out your infrastructure budget. Yeah. We've been doing this for a long time, Lynn. And I think that um, sort of it's, it's only recently, I think, that in my sort of career per, per se, and that we're seeing this ability to kind of move into these way more efficient places that are very realistic and very, very clear. And, uh, and I think that that's, you know, in the in the past, we've seen oh, there were so many, you know, uh, comp compromises yeah. you had to make to get to that kind of efficient levels, and I think we're seeing a very different model now. Yeah, what's funny is I haven't done the comparison recently, but they used to do comparisons of 
um, the processor in your phone has the same performance as, yeah, I have 386. That was years ago. Um, I can only imagine, you know, what we're, we're talking about now. But it is pretty amazing the kind of analytics capabilities that you could have um, for your door cam or that you could have in a manufacturing line or in a retail environment. Um, it's just unheard of the capabilities and the software support, you know, the, the cams that could do their own AI, um, security sensors that you don't have to watch all the tape. You can just say alert and record on this, on this event. It's just pretty crazy where, where we are heading with all of this. I still think it's just another digital transformation, which is effectively make the work that has to get done and get done in a more efficient, faster way without relying as much on human manual entry, manual labor. Absolutely. I think that there is that, that view of what can you do to increase the productivity of your, your output. And I think that talk a lot about this when we, when we did the, the X line for Genoa X and Milan X, this idea of, of how do you kind of accelerate the, the interactions of the design and, and effort that they're doing for simulation in, in ways that make the user actually more productive because now they can issue jobs more frequently, they can get the job return faster. And I think there's this whole path of how do you get more mm -hmm. out of um, your users of the technology by optimizing the, the productivity of the response time they get for the innovation that they're trying to achieve, getting queries out of data or getting mm -hmm. uh, simulations mm -hmm. out, of, out of infrastructure. Well, it's funny you say that because we, it's so much more normal for us to factor in you can get the same amount of work done on a Bergamo in one and a half or two cycles. And then it takes you 10 cycles to get the equivalent done on a processor that appears to have much more energy efficient TDP, but because it's running longer, it's really not more efficient. Um, that doesn't even factor in the productivity of somebody being able to get a job done in one and a half or two cycles. And then being able to either do another job or pick up and do their design, do their production flows, do their simulations in a much more compressed amount of time. And then, you know, you get your designs out for everything from wind turbines to cars, semiconductors, example. You know, I think some of the interesting AI algorithms are, are really being very creative in terms of how do you do masks? How do you get some of these circuits that are extremely compressed, crammed into a space that is shrinking every process node. Absolutely, that, that sort of complexity of the, of the process node innovation that's happening always, but being able to make sure that you put down, you lay down better gates, more you know, synthesized circuits that, that are taking you to a place where you produce a higher right. quality product at the output and, and get it done ideally yeah. sooner. Excellent, yeah, it's super cool. Um, I can't imagine being somebody that is dealing with all of these semiconductors and then, you know, thinking that they were just a computer user. I mean, it's just part of everyday life at this point, no matter what the, what the person is using. Exactly. Well, Lynn, I think that, um, you and I could go yes. on and on. I, I think we've, we've been doing this for a long time, but I really appreciate the time. I think this is going to be an awesome tech talk. 
about how we drive innovation um, in the data center by you know basically freeing up uh, space effectively. Is there anything you want to say before we before? We I end? just am so honored to be on the tech talk with you, Dylan. We've done a couple of these uh, over our yep. careers together. Yeah, it's been great, and I would just urge everybody who's listening, take a look at what you can free up when you're claiming your space, your power, by just taking that step and biting on that licensing change or on the opportunity to say, we want to include these new capabilities for our enterprise, let's modernize, and then we'll have the space and the time and the power and the money to do it. So. Thanks so much, Dylan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining AMD Tech Talk. Find out more about the technologies discussed today at www.amd.com.